Wonderful. Okay. We're going to get into the word this morning. Thank you, everyone. I pray that our new people feel welcomed and apart. That's fantastic. We're going to get into the word today, and um, we're going to talk about dry bones. There we go, dry bones. I got bones here. They're like they're they're crumbly dry. These are real bones. Does that gross you out? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's a deer. I'm not sure. Um, I had a lady who gave these to me. Actually, she gave me a whole lot more, like half the animal. And I'm like, just a few is great, thanks. And um, <laughs> so, if Susan is watching, thanks, Susan, for the bones. Um, so there's some bones just to kind of give you an example of what dry bones look like. We're going to talk about dry bones today. And the title of my sermon is Choose Life. Everybody say, Choose Life. Choose life. Is there any 1980 big hair, wild color, colored clothing people yeah. that remember? Yeah. Oh my goodness. When I was going through this sermon, all I could think about like I need a title and I'm like choose life dry bones choose life and then I was like oh remember those shirts we all had these big for those of you who have no clue what I'm talking about in around 1983 84 a band called Wham came out with a song um get up and go go something go go I don't remember wake me up before you go go and in the MTV video, which, you know, is not a thing anymore, um, he wore a shirt, and, and honestly, I didn't really think much about it. I just, we all thought it was cool. We probably had no idea what it meant. Um, but it was actually kind of like an anti-suicide, uh, anti-drug campaign that was taking place. So it was these big block letters that said, choose life, big loose sweatshirt, t-shirt, all the girls like had it, you know, one shoulder down, you know, like we all look so cool. <laughs> Choose life. <laughs> With our gum. You know, like <laughs> the Valley Girls. Remember the Valley Girls? <laughs> into God's word really quickly. <laughs> Just a little walk down memory lane right there. Wow. Wendy and her hair up to here, let me tell you. Final net was my best friend. I'm going to tell you a quick story, just totally off topic. Has nothing to do with this, but just made me think about it. So 1980s, the bigger the better, right? Your hair just like... And I remember, it was not my husband, I was going on a date with somebody for the first time, and, and my hair, is, it's up, and it's final netted. And, and we're out, and all of a sudden, there's a bee that's flying around. No joke, it got stuck in my hair. I'm like, trying to shake this thing out of my head that's like this. Anyways, let's all get back to Jesus. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about dry bones. We're going to turn to Ezekiel 37. If you have your Bibles or your devices, please turn there. And we are going to talk about Ezekiel and a vision that God gave him. This story is a vision. It's not something that actually 
actually happened, but it does have meaning, and so we're going to talk about that today. So just to kind of give you a little bit of preface on what is happening in this moment, okay? So Israel has been... Uh, I mean, we, we, we kind of criticize Israel for being back and forth, back and forth, you know, on again, off again, off again relationship with God. Um, but we're kind of like them, so um, we won't criticize because uh, we're all going to get to heaven and we're going to have to be like, oops, sorry, I said that about you. Um, anyways, <laughs> Israel right now has been taken into captivity by the Babylonians, okay? So you have to think... I mean, we read this stuff, and I don't know if we, like, I just really want to encourage you guys, first of all, to really read the word, Um, but when you read it, we need to really kind of, like, read it in a manner that this is happening to you, so you grasp the desperation now, I know that the, that the Israelites were on again, off again with God, but they were still human and they still had moments. And when you have a moment of desperation and feeling of hopelessness, and that's exactly where the Israelites were right now. They were in captivity because of their sin. Yes, because of idol worship. Absolutely. But they have literally lost everything. They've lost their land. They've lost their livelihood. They've lost their temple where they would worship God. They have literally lost everything and are now in captivity by a foreign nation, the Babylonians. They, this like looks completely bleak. It, it's an impossible, horrible situation. They are depressed They are hopeless. They are just like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And God gives Ezekiel a vision. And when we read chapter 37, 1 through 14, we're going to read through, we're going to take it verse by verse, and we're going to look at exactly what this vision, I'm just going to move this before somebody or something goes by. Um, What exactly is it that God is saying to the Israelites and to Ezekiel? Now, God is sharing this with Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, his mission then is he is going to take this message that God has given him and he is going to then pass it on to the Israelites. So, 37 verse 1. Let's start with verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of dry bones. So, just in that one little verse, I want you to look at all the things that we realize First of all, the hand of the Lord was on me. If you have the Message Bible, I like to read it just as kind of like, you know, it's not necessarily a Bible that I would study from, but it's something that I like to read just in my own daily uh, devotionals. And when when I was reading this in the Message Bible, it actually says, the Lord grabbed me. And I love that. I was just like, oh, that's good. You see, the Lord grabbed Ezekiel. It kind of gives that 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 connotation of like this is this is an 
this. You need to understand this. You need to, like, this isn't just willy-nilly. This isn't just like, yo, hey, Ezekiel, how's it going? Want to, like, hang out for coffee sometime? I just wanted to share something with you. It's not that light. It's like he grabbed Ezekiel. He's like, Ezekiel, I have a message for you, and you need to listen to this. The hand of the Lord was on me. God is getting his attention. You need to hear what I am about to say to you. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the middle of a valley. Now when we think about a valley, we think about things that are like it's, 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 a, it's, it's a low point. When we're going through trials and tribulations, when we're going through hard times, we'll say, yeah, I'm going in a valley. Like, I'm not in the mountain. I'm not in, like, the yay moment. I'm down low in the valley. And so we've got picture, like, a huge valley that is full of dry bones. Now, it's not just, like, a bone here and a bone there and a bone over there. It's a valley that is full, full of dry bones. And those bones are representing the Israelites. They are in a valley, they are in a hopeless situation, and there is death, there is hopelessness. It's a cemetery filled with dry bones. Verse 2, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So they're walking along in the vision, and they're looking at all the bones. There's so many. It's filled with bones, and they're so dry. What does that speak to you? What does dry speak to you? There's no life. There's no hint of life. Dry bones are crumbly and white. There's nothing, there's no life whatsoever in these bones. And it's not just one or two, it's filled, it's, it's a death area, it's full of death. Complete and absolute hopelessness, trials, tribulations. He asked, son of man, can these bones live? In a vision, God is literally looking at Ezekiel and saying, what do you think? Can these bones live? And to the natural eye, it looks absolutely not a chance. Uh, how? how? How can you, like, they start to fall apart? How, how are you going to put things back together? And what I love about this is his response. He says, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. You see, Ezekiel is not like, he's not like pulling out the Christian card where God says, do you have faith that I can do it? Oh, yes, Lord, I have faith. 
inside were going, not a chance. Because we do that as Christians, we, we can put on the face and the facade and, and be like, oh, everything's fine, everything's great. But inside we are dry bones. And so he's not even, he's not even trying to like lie to me. He's like, literally God, this is so hopeless. Like, I can't even, I can't even fathom how there can ever be life again. You, Lord, are the only one who can answer that question. He's completely just surrendering over to God. God, you are the only one. You are the only one who knows. When we look at the spot where Ezekiel is looking at, it's desolate. Where there's no hope. But God is the one who's speaking to him. Because God will speak to us in those desolate, dry places. If we stop and listen, when it looks dry and hopeless, can these live? I don't know, only you know, Lord. God is speaking to him. Verse 4. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He's being told to prophesy over these bones. Prophesy over the promise that you have. You see, all along the Israelites have a promise from God. And yes, they continue to disobey and yes, they continue to go back and forth, and that doesn't give us permission to just do what we want and be like, oh, I'll just ask for forgiveness. That doesn't give us permission to just go and do, you know, live a life that we want to and, and just be like, oh, sorry, Lord. That's, that's not what it's about here. But we know that God has a promise for them. We know that God has a promise for, the, for that nation. Still today, coming, a promise. And God says, prophesy over those bones. Stop talking about what your situation is. So, so stop looking at those dry bones and go, no, there's no way. How many times when we're in a desolate, dark place, do we focus on the desolate? How many times do we focus on the negative? How many times do we focus on the hopelessness? Instead of looking to the one who has the answer. God says, I want you to prophesy over the promise that I have to, for you. Talk to your situation. Don't talk about the situation. Don't just talk about it and call up your friends. And, ah, my life is so sad and I just can't get over and talking about it, but talk to it. 
Take authority. God is saying, take authority over the situation. You have the power with me. You have the power to talk to your situation. God continues on in 5, 6 to give a a promise. Let's read verses 5 and 6. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. That is a promise from God to this nation. And we can take that promise for ourselves. God says, I will put skin and tendons and muscle and and everything back onto these bones. I'm going to do it. This is my promise to you. And I promise to do it for you so that you will know that I am Lord. Verse 7. We're going to read 7 and 8. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Imagine. Bones came together. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath on them. So God put the bones back together and put tendons back on and skin. So they were actually like a person standing there. But the person was not alive yet. It says that there was no breath in them. There was no breath in them. There was still no life. So again, sometimes we can look good on the outside but there can be no breath did you know the breath is talking about the Holy Spirit we we can have look alive and look Christian and look like we're faithful servants of God and not have breath of life Holy Spirit inside of us We can look good on the outside, but on the inside, nothing. Verse 9 and 10. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Yes! Yes! When the breath of God comes in us, we are strong. We are strong. 
And imagine together as Cedarview Church. The breath of the Holy Spirit brings life into us. Fresh hope comes from the Holy Spirit living in us. Ready for battle. Ready for battle. Where we can look at our valley, we can look at the situation, we can say, ah, we got this. We got this. I'm a vast, strong army, powerful soldiers, ready to go. God literally turned a cemetery into what is now a sanctuary. It is a place where God's breath is reigning. Verse 11 to 14, then he said, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. They felt hopeless. They felt there's no way. There is no way. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. There is a promise from God. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am Lord. When I open up your graves and bring you up for them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I am Lord and have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. We have hope for a future in Christ with the Holy Spirit breathing life into us. God gave this vision to Ezekiel because in this time, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in like we can receive the Holy Spirit in us now. So they needed, God needed to give the message to a man and it was Ezekiel's job to go and to, to tell everybody, this is what God says, thus saith the Lord. But now we have the Holy Spirit in us and we can receive directly from God for ourselves. He he can tell us what his plans and purposes are for us. He can tell us that he's putting life into our bones. He can tell us that our situation is not hopeless. Something I learned this weekend at this youth conference. I'm going to read Matthew 13, 55. And in this verse, it talks about... Jesus being the carpenter. It says, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Isn't this the carpenter's son? I learned that the word carpenter, taken back to its original language, is the word tecton. The word that we today get the word technology. 
Because Carpenter builds things, makes things. Technology makes things and builds things. So as we go through processing this story of God breathing into the dry bones and how we need to receive the promise from God, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit, we need to be aligned with the Holy Spirit, and we need to make sure our hope for our future is in the carpenter, Jesus Christ. But isn't it interesting how our world today has become more reliant on technology. We've become more reliant on a device than we have on Jesus Christ. And, and, and I understand that not everybody, we've got seniors who, who probably could care less about TikTok and Instagram and <laughs> Good time. But I gotta tell you, being in that room with 500 students yesterday broke my heart. Yes, I love to see them worshiping God. Trust me, that is phenomenal. But I also look at a generation that all they know is technology. This is their go-to. And for many of us, for many of us as adults, our go-to, first thing you pick up in the morning before you, is your phone. And I actually challenged our group and our leaders to go in their phones, and there's a little area that you can find out how much time you have spent. It's, it's your screen time for the week. And parents, I encourage you, ask your, ask your students, ask your children what their screen time is. And I'm telling you right now, our students, I won't give you names, but our students, when they did that, were blown away. Do you want to know average how many hours a day our, our students, Cedarview Church students, spend on their phones. Eight, 10, 12 hours a day. A day. We're awake, what, 16 hours maybe? The rest of them are sleeping? So that means the three quarters of their time, and, and a couple of them were like, oh, well, I was watching Netflix. So you can break it down and you can look to see what, what was Netflix, what was you know, Disney Plus, what was TikTok, what was whatever. Two to three to four hours a day on TikTok. Now, many, some of you are like, I don't even know what TikTok is. So they're literally videos of people videoing themselves for themselves, self-promoting themselves on how great their lives are. And, and our students, our children, and many adults here, 
will spend hours scrolling, looking at other people's lives, and watching, and comparing, and forming our lives to what we see on a screen on technology. What is it that you put the majority of your time into? It's like what we feed our bodies, you know, garbage in, garbage in. What we listen to, garbage in, garbage in. I am very aware that there are some very devoted people in our church who literally do get into the Word of God regularly. I. God bless you guys. You are the cornerstones of our churches. But I'm also very, very aware that the large majority of Christian people don't give the Bible a second look. Once a month, maybe. Once a week, maybe. Come to church on Sunday, hear the word. We need to be doing all we can to fill, to, to breathe life into our bones. To have the Holy Spirit aligning with us so that we have life. Not relying on other people for our confidence. I literally went through a time, just confession time, I went through a time where I stopped commenting on a lot of your posts on Facebook. And some of you have said to me, but because I had people get mad at me because I would like somebody else's post or comment on somebody else's post more than I commented on theirs. And they thought that I was mad at them or, or against them. or It's silly, and I know you're all laughing, but it, it, it's, that's what people crave. I, did, I only got two likes, and they got five likes. Or I only got one comment, and they got 25 comments. And it sounds ridiculous, but it's where people are at, and a lot of people in this room are at. It breaks my heart because we need to find our confidence and our promises in who we are and what God has for us through the Holy Spirit. I love you guys, and I wish I could spend my day on, well, I don't actually, but you know, like if I had the time to spend my day on Instagram and Facebook and make sure that every single person from my church or from my community that I'm involved in in ministry, that I have the time to, I would love to be, and it's not about me, like I'm not trying to say like, oh, yay, you got a comment for me, that's not, but if, it, if you're doing that for me, who else are you looking to for, for the recognition when we should be looking to the carpenter? We all have promises from God. 
Each and every single one of us has a promise. And the enemy will do everything he can to try to steal that promise from you. Where you will focus on the dry bones. Instead of the promise, the word of God. God wants to bring life. He wants to breathe life into you. He wants to be the first person you think about in the morning and the last person you go think about at night. He wants to be on your mind on a constant. Do we have to be down praying 24? No, but you can be in constant communication with him. Allow him to breathe life so that when you get into a valley that looks hopeless, you can stand like a vast army and say, Thus saith the Lord. I'm bringing out the King James. <laughs> I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And if we could do, you did kind of like a compilation of Build My Life and Firm Foundation. we got to speak to those dry bones. We need to breathe life over those dry bones. We need to breathe over our marriage. We need to breathe over relationships that we have, friendships that we have. We need to breathe life, godly life over them. We need to breathe life over our finances, over our children, over our grandchildren, over, over our, our own confidence in who we are. Not looking and comparing. And, and you might say, oh, I don't, I just, it's just entertainment. No, I'm sorry. It's going in your brain. And, and yes, I look at reels and, and TikToks, but I, there's, there's like a time where it's like, okay, I need to stop now. What do we spend the majority of our time processing and thinking about? That is who you are. That is who you are. I'm going to ask you all to stand this morning. And I, I, I feel like altar calls are becoming passe and... and kind of frustrating and angering me. And people are afraid for some reason to come up. I don't know why. But I'm, as you pastor, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be old school kind of
worship team plays, if your heart is broken, can you come and pray? You don't need me to pray over you. You don't need anybody to pray over you, but you need to see God's face. Can we just turn this place into a prayer room for a few minutes? God, we just honor you right now. Father, as we take time just to come to your altar, hear our cries, Lord. Hear our cries for the next generation. Hear our cries for every single person that is here right now. Hear our cries for the ones who are in the valleys right now, Lord God. Lord God, move powerfully by your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. We will not stand by anymore. We will not stand by and just turn our backs and close our eyes. We will stand like a vast army, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's sing right now. Hallelujah.